You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. In terms of cancer treatment, proton therapy has been more the exception than the rule, but its unique ability to provide reliable, targeted treatment ensures it a promising future. How will the next phase of proton therapy impact the way we deliver care to our cancer patients? Joining us to discuss the future of proton therapy is Dr. James Metz, Associate Professor of Radiation Oncology and Vice Chair in the Department of Radiation Oncology and Associate Director for Clinical Services and Programs at the Abramson Comprehensive Cancer Center at Penn Medicine. Dr. Metz, thank you for being with us. Thanks so much for having me today. Could you maybe start by briefly reviewing the current status of proton therapy? Proton therapy is actually an, an evolving field in the realm of radiation oncology. It's actually been around, believe it or not, since the 1950s, but only recently have clinical centers come online. There are a few clinical centers in the United States with the University of Pennsylvania Center is going to be the sixth clinical center that comes online this year. Proton therapy itself has evolved to a treatment modality that's been done generally just in physics research facilities, now to real, truly clinical facilities where protons are being integrated in with general cancer care. Proton therapy has generally been looked at by itself in the past as just another way of delivering radiation. The way it's different from conventional radiation is the conventional beam, as you know, goes in one side of the body and out the other, radiates everything in between, whereas protons actually can deposit all of their energy at a specific point based on what the prescription depth is by the radiation oncologist. This really allows us to minimize normal tissues seeing radiation. So radiation in front of the tumor is much less, and it's actually non-existent behind the tumor. So that allows us to think about delivering radiation therapy in a different way. And because of this, the care is really evolving very rapidly. We're learning how to deliver proton therapy to other treatment sites as opposed to what was initially investigated, such as tumors of the spinal cord, tumors of the eye, and tumors of the brain. We've now expanded to places like the prostate. But really, I think you'll see in the coming years, there's going to be a significant evolution of other treatment sites that will benefit from high radiation doses but reduced normal tissue exposure to radiation. And obviously, as you said, the side effects and effect on normal adjacent tissues is minimized, but do we still get the same positive effect on the malignant cells? Well, exactly. So, so the radiation dose is still delivered to the tumor itself, and, and biologically, a proton beam works exactly the same as a conventional radiation beam. So we still see the same effect on the tumor, just those normal tissues aren't being exposed to the radiation like was previously. In fact, because of the change in deposition of dose, we actually may be able to give higher doses to the tumor itself because we're sparing those normal tissues or we may be able to give the radiation in different ways, much quicker, much higher doses in a shorter period that may actually allow for higher doses delivered to the tumor and better outcomes. Well, that makes great sense because I could imagine that in certain areas of the body, the lung, possibly the nervous system, the surrounding tissues are, are so delicate and frail that can be very limiting to the amount you could deliver. Absolutely. So that, that's really been the big challenge in radiation. We, we know we want to deliver to the tumor, but we're challenged in how we get it there without affecting those normal tissues. And, and we, you know, we have to think both short-term and long-term. The short-term effects are acute radiation effects that can be a problem in management and getting a patient through treatment. But of most concern is those effects can happen 20, 30, 40 years down the road because radiation, unfortunately, can be the gift that keeps on giving. 
it can really, unfortunately, still give more side effects. Right, absolutely. Now, is this uh, a therapy at this point that can be used in conjunction with surgical therapies or chemotherapies? Absolutely, and that's really the direction that proton radiation is going. As I said before, it's been looked upon as kind of a standalone treatment, but that's really not the way I think protons are going to find its, its niche in the paradigm of cancer care. I think it's really going to be how we combine radiation therapy with protons with other agents to allow for better surgery by sparing normal tissues and minimizing the fibrosis and scar tissue that cause problems for surgeons, but also, most importantly, combining with chemotherapeutics and biologic agents that really are just too difficult to combine with conventional radiation right now. It turns out a lot of chemotherapies are, are very broad radiation sensitizers and sensitize all the tissues to radiation. So that's very difficult to combine with conventional agents. For instance, Gemzar is probably, Gemcitabine is one of the most commonly used drugs in a variety of tumors, but it sensitizes all the tissues to radiation therapy. And it's very difficult to give in combination with radiation, except in the best patient's best performance status, and also at reduced doses. But with protons, because we can just target that tumor itself, it opens up a whole new avenue for combining with potent radiosensitizers that we just couldn't do safely before. So that's really, I think, the most exciting realm of protons and how we can combine it with other treatments that are already out there and improve upon those current therapies. That does sound exciting, a whole new way of combining things. Are there, at this point, any particular protocols going on? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of protocols going on around the United States and actually internationally looking at the combination of chemotherapy and radiation. In fact, some of the most exciting data that's coming out is starting to come out of MD Anderson where they're combining chemotherapy and proton therapy in the treatment of lung tumors. And we're, we're very interested here at the University of Pennsylvania at, at going after lung cancer in a different way. There's also very interesting data looking at the combination for liver tumors and a variety of sites we haven't done well with radiation before. So again, I think this is a whole paradigm shift at looking at combining with chemotherapy and radiation and biologics. And our plan at least here at the University of Pennsylvania, is to put everyone on clinical trial in some way, even if it's a registration trial, to capture the data, understand who is receiving the most benefit from this treatment, so we can really figure out with this scarce resource where we should really be putting our efforts. At, at this point, for doctors listening around the country, are there particular types of patients who might be suitable referrals to the five or six sites that do this around the United States, or should it just be done locally at this point? Well, absolutely. There are a number of protocols that are being done around the country. Some centers have emphasized more prostate cancer than other therapies. I think you're going to see an evolution coming up to looking at a variety of other other sites. I certainly think looking at combined chemotherapy and radiation, it's at least worthwhile to investigate what's available at the variety centers. Most have their websites with their protocols listed online. You can get a pretty good idea that way. But I think the, the right way to go is at least look what protocols are available. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me discussing the future of proton therapy is Dr. James Metz, Associate Professor of Radiation Oncology at Penn Medicine. Dr. Metz, do you see any other uses for proton therapy outside of oncology type of uses? Well, absolutely. You know, there's, there's a lot of interest in looking at 
areas where we could use protons or radiation therapy that may benefit other conditions. You know, radiation therapy was used in the past to treat a number of benign diseases, and it still is today, but the problem has been the complications. We certainly use it, for instance, for benign brain tumors such as meningiomas and some other things along those lines. There's a lot of interest in investigating proton therapy in some of the diseases such as ankylosing spondylitis and some other rheumatoid diseases that may be a benefit where there are inflammatory issues going on. There's also interest in looking at proton therapy for ablating areas of the brain that are difficult to get through from surgery for people that are having seizure disorders that are uncontrolled. There's also interest in looking at some of the cardiac diseases and can we ablate an area with protons, it's abnormal electrical conductivity, instead of doing surgery or more invasive procedures. So there are a variety of things that, that are non-oncologic that we'll actually be looking at also down the road. What a wide gamut of different possible applications for this technology. It is very exciting. Are there some obstacles, though, to the development of these other uses for proton therapy? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, proton therapy is really in its infancy in regards to clinical applications. And protons are are very susceptible to organ motion with breathing and other things. So there's a lot of technologies that are still in development to help us better target the radiation beam, both for benign conditions and and malignant conditions. So you'll see a lot of development in the coming years basically on targeting and finding better ways to target this proton beam in a safe way. So those developments certainly need to continue to happen. Another issue is finding ways to more efficiently get patients through the system because it can take some time to deliver a proton treatment. Patients are in the room for 20, 30 minutes at a time depending on the treatment itself, and that really limits the capacity of any facility itself. So I think you'll see a lot of developments coming in how do we safely speed the treatment process for the patients that will allow for more patients to actually get through the system going forward. So I have more precise delivery of the radiation and then uh, shorter time periods of treatment. Absolutely. And that's very interesting. And I uh, incidentally saw a patient who had therapy for his prostate cancer at Loma Linda using proton therapy. And he said that the actual site was a very impressive building. What are the costs involved with getting something like this off the ground and the logistics? These are very different from your conventional radiation facility. It requires a, a large source called a cyclotron or synchrotron that has to accelerate these proton beams up to about 230 million electron volts to be able to deposit the energy in the patient itself. So it requires these large synchrotrons or cyclotron accelerators. And then this beam travels to the various treatment rooms. Our center actually has five treatment rooms with four gantries and a fixed beam room. A gantry is a a large 100-ton structure that's three stories tall that rotates around the patient to deliver the beam itself. The patient actually enters on the second floor of the facility and doesn't see that three stories behind the wall. In a fixed beam room, that's basically what it is. The beam comes out of a pipe, and instead of moving the beam around the patient, you move the patient around the beam. But these are incredibly large facilities. Our facility is about a football field in length, so you're not going to see these on every corner. It certainly requires a lot of resources to actually get this built to begin with. And it would strike me that the funding for something like this is certainly much different than a new pharmaceutical product that might reap millions for a a drug company. Where is the funding coming for this? 
you know, I mean, that, that's a real challenge. And right now, our facility was actually funded through the University of Pennsylvania and also donations and a, and a partnership we had with Children's Hospital and Walter Reed Medical Center down in Washington. I think it's going to require some unique relationships to build these facilities going forward because it's very difficult to come out with the kind of initial capital, particularly in the current economic environment, to build these facilities without coming up with some unique financing. And as far as you know, are the five or six centers in the United States and some of the international centers cooperating now on, on protocols the way we would see with more conventional chemotherapy or radiation therapy protocols? Absolutely. We are seeing that there's a lot of discussion between the centers on developing new protocols going forward. Some of that has already started between specific institutions, and I think everyone is in agreement that we need to go through with these protocols to figure out where are the sites that are going to benefit most and, and which patients should be really be steering towards proton therapy as opposed to conventional radiation therapy with this limited resource. And I assume that as you look to the future, you'll you see that this therapy is going to be more widely available and, and applied to many other situations. Are we talking about a time frame of five years or tell us what you see in the future? I think there'll be a, a very different landscape about 10 years from now. In five years, I think you'll see some things brewing. The challenge has been the, the recent year in economic times that there, there haven't been many new facilities that have gotten off the ground, but many are kind of hanging on the sidelines waiting for the economy to change so that the financing gets a bit better. So I think between the next five and 10 years that there'll be a dramatic number of these, particularly when as the clinical data starts to emerge from these centers. And I think that particularly, as I said, with combined modality therapy, I think there will be significant benefits in regards to toxicity in particular, but also outcomes potentially in regards to survival with these potential combinations down the road. And I think that will be the real impetus going forward. And again, in terms of current protocols, if I have a patient who might be interested, is it practical for them to get a hotel room in, in Philadelphia and go through a couple weeks of treatment, or are the protocols more involved than that? Well, you know, we're going to have a variety of protocols that, that are up. Usually many of the protocols are, are a number of weeks for treatment itself. We don't have many that are short, the two-week duration, although we will be looking at what we call hypofractionated radiation or delivering the radiation in a shorter course, but most are a longer course of radiation. We certainly have been arranging for patients to be able to stay here. There's a number of arrangements where our social workers and people will work with people to get long-term lodging and things like that that I think will be efficient and comfortable for people coming into town who are absolutely interested in this therapy. Well, I very much want to thank my guest from Penn Medicine, Dr. James Metz. Dr. Metz has outlined for us this very exciting new area of proton therapy. He's talked about its current use in various types of cancers and how in the future we will be seeing it used in various protocols along with biologics and conventional chemotherapy. He also outlined that it may be very applicable for non-oncologic conditions, and we look for new applications and new accessibility in the next five to 10 years with this exciting therapy. Dr. Metz, thank you for being our guest this week on Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. To download this program or access ReachMD on demand, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.